Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete. I'm Kerry Rouse, and I travel to racetracks around the U.S., where I interview members of the racing community and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. I'm here with Jason Hart, and we are at uh, COTA, the GT World Challenge, here in Austin. And uh, you're racing on Team NOLA? NOLA Sport, yeah. NOLA Sport, okay. And what are you driving? Uh, the Cayman GT4 RS, so okay. like the gen Generation 3 of the GT4 uh, race car from Porsche. Okay, and yeah. then we have never met, but we yeah. talked like about two and a half years ago when I was thinking about getting into racing. Um, I know you had an incredible sim set up yes. at your place. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, well, I need to, I need to get a sim. Um, I ended up just, you know, getting a, not get a car, but I basically the arrive and drive is what I decided to do. Yeah. For, did that for a couple of years. This year I'm taking off to do the podcast. But I follow you. I watch your races. I love listening to the car as you're going around the track. So could you tell people who may not know you? what you do right now um, in the world of racing. Yeah, so just a uh, basically full-time driver coach and then race when I get the opportunity to be hired to, to race a car, um, which right now it's kind of flipped over to where I, I race maybe more or as much as I coach, which is a very special place to be in because uh, it means that you're uh, you know, getting to wheel the cars and uh, also getting to work with some great drivers that are coming up and learning how to be better and, and uh, trying to accomplish more things in motorsport, which is very fulfilling, uh, basically just as fulfilling as driving the car yourself. So um, are the people you're coaching on this team or are they all, all kinds of teams that you're on? All kinds of teams. Uh, like this weekend, I'm working with my co-driver, Matt Travis. So we've long time coaching relationship and friends and, and co-driving in many, many events over the years. And uh, we have a championship in the series two years ago, and uh, P2 in the championship two years prior, uh, both years. We've had some fun, I think 27, 28 GT4 wins. We've done pretty well. Um, and then I'm also coaching the 83 car, which are drivers that are new to NOLA Sport, uh, Nelson Collier and Juan Martinez. And uh, they're in the AM class, and uh, quite quick, coming up, getting faster every time out. So it's uh, really cool to see them uh, move up in the ranks in the AM class as well. Awesome, so how's it going so far for this season for you guys? This season's been a little bumpy for a lot of people. Um, so we uh, pulled track record at Sonoma, uh, won the race outright uh, from overall win, not just in class. Oh wow, yeah, so that's a, awesome. Sonoma started <laughs> strong. Uh, we were leading by I think six seconds in race two. A caution came out at a very inopportune time. We got stuck behind some safety trucks. And so we could not circulate back fast enough to the safety car. And so we finished fourth in that race, which should have been a clear win without the caution and without the, the snafu that happened, uh, not to go too deep into that, but just a very odd circumstance happened with safety trucks being released, not by race control, but by the track, yep. which impeded cars ability to get back to the safety car, which then cars coming out of pit lane got ahead of cars that should have been ahead on is a mess. Anyways, so finished fourth in that one. Very frustrating to lose the win. And then uh, a bit of a mistake at NOLA. Uh, we got into the lead in race one, 
and basically a lap later we're addressed a drive-through penalty for right at one second over on our pit stop or under on our pit stop oh. and so uh because we did not have a lot of time left in the race it basically relegated us to last and so you know a win a fourth that should have been a win and a very low ranking finish that should have been a win so we're on the back foot a little bit but very confident we'll get back on our front foot so uh, right now we've just been through you had both your practices today is yeah. that right yeah. um how are you guys i mean i know it's just practice yes but how is it looking for you guys here so anytime you're in bop racing which is multi-class racing that the series adjusts restrictor rate ride height some other limitations in the car to try to get all the cars to do the same speed yep um it's quite hot this weekend, so we're normally aspirated. So the hotter it gets, the slower we go. Yeah. So we are well off the front pace. Uh, you don't really complain or whine. You just, uh, that's how BOP racing goes sometimes. Sometimes they get it right, sometimes not so much. So we are, what looks like have zero chance at the front, uh, like a, in the realm of a second and change off of the front. Um, so basically what you try to do in that environment is beat all the other cars in your make and then on top of that just try to finish as high as you can yeah. and be happy with that so yeah. it's not uh it's not always heads up when it's multi-make but you know series tries hard to make it that way but sometimes they get it better and sometimes not so much <laughs> you are definitely the definition of what i call a pro driver um tell me a little bit about how you got started i mean when did when did all this start for you man we could go so far back but a nickel tour would be i was born into it in one aspect my father had but our porsche racing in uh santa clara california and so he worked at a dealership decided to start his own independent porsche repair shop he also did some other vehicles but i would say 90 percent of it was porsche um had clients that wanted to go racing he wanted to go racing he was a, a dirt track racer before that and so got into like California Porsche Club racing and things like that. Uh, got all the way as high as like building 935 motors for IMSA drivers at the time and, and all of that. And so I was kind of born into it initially, got the bug, got the taste, got the feel, the smell, all that stuff that happens in the shop. And um, parents got divorced when I was 10. Uh, they had bought me a go-kart that year. I think I drove it three times. When they got divorced, it got pushed in a corner. Didn't see light of day for many, many, many years. Um, so a little bit of a shift there. Once I got into my teens, made some friends, had some friends that had, um, I made some friends, but had made some friends with guys that had cars because yeah. I was kind of drawn to the car crowd. Uh, started working on cars in my teens, uh, having fun with older friends that already had, had driver's licenses and were driving. Um, and at the time I was taking golf pretty seriously, thinking that that might be my way to bridge going out of high school into college, or at least help me get to college. Um, and then uh, I started drag racing and uh, the Sacramento Raceway had, uh, I think it was like Tuesday night drags or Wednesday night drags or something. So a bunch of my buddies and I would do that every weekend, having a ball, good old time. And then um, kind of a turning point in my life was there was a golf tournament that I was invited to, uh, Northern California. I grew up in North California, Tiger Woods, Southern California. We're both same age. Never met him in my life, but as I understand, he was invited to that tournament I was invited to that tournament so it was a big deal for me at the time as I recall and um, but also that weekend was the Von Hausen Auto Parts National which is a NHRA sanctioned drag race and uh, I could get into like the dial-in class they had a class for the dial-in guys 
I think there were like 30 cars entered and I was just made a decision that I got to go do this. Told my golf coach that that's what I was going to go do and uh, he thought I was crazy. And uh, as the story goes, I never met Tiger Woods, but I won Baja's and Auto Parts <laughs> Nationals in that class and got in the newspaper and got a check and some prizes and just a super cool deal. I've still got the trophy in my office. And uh, since that taste of winning, um, pivoted my whole life and just decided to chase racing, not knowing how to do it, mm -hmm. but just decided to chase it. And so um, my dad lived in Arizona at the time, my mom, California, and my sisters. Day after I graduated high school, didn't go to the high school party or trip or whatever they did. I literally got on a plane the next morning after graduation, moved to Arizona, lived with my dad, started working in a machine shop, and my dad said, you should go get a job at Bondurant. And I was like, what's that? Um, and Bondurant, my dad lived in Chandler, Arizona. The Bondurant School of High Performance Driving is in Chandler, Arizona, or what was the Bondurant School of High Performance Driving. So I like went down there, got interviewed by a guy named Bryant Stadola, never forget it, hired on the spot uh, as a mechanic because I knew cars, like I, I worked on cars yeah, yeah. Um, you know, all my life. And uh, so I got hired as a mechanic. Funny story, one of the other what they call fleet techs, which are the guys that turn the cars over every day, you know, tires, brakes, fuel, wash the cars, test them, park them. Uh, was Buddy Rice who went on to win the uh, <laughs> uh, Indy 500, I think in about 94 or something like that. Anyways, um, actually, no, it wouldn't have been 94, it'd been something in the 2000s, uh, maybe 2004. But either way, you know, so wild who you work with at a racing school. And then obviously meeting all the instructors, I mean, Darren Law was there, and, Terry Borcheller and Johnny O'Connell and just a list of guys that had great careers. And um, so I learned from those guys and I drove every minute I could as a fleet tech. And um, did uh, five years there, uh, left there, moved to Dallas with a friend of mine that I met at Bondurant, Alex Whitman, who's still a dear friend of mine. And uh, uh, started figuring out how to get into the driving scene in Dallas. And from there, just went to like um, going to every DE I possibly could, mm -hmm. every club race I possibly could, walking the paddock, talking to everybody. All, all um, Porsche for the most everything. part? Everything. It didn't matter. Uh, just people who wanted to learn how to go faster in cars. Because when I left uh, Bondurant, I had started the Supercart school there with Brian Stadola and Kevin Apple. And um, uh, I can't remember, Jessica... Uh, she, Jessica Rudolph, she's married to Alan Rudolph, or she's still married to Alan Rudolph. Um, and, uh, and I guess that was us, right? We started the Bondurant Supercard School, because yeah, Bob Bondurant was my first sponsor in go-karts. Yeah. And uh, anyways, uh, not the coolest story ever, but from there, when I moved to Dallas, I just put my head down, going to every track event I could, handing out business cards, trying to get coaching work, uh, trying to find opportunities to get into race cars and then working in the ride and drive business, which is basically vehicle marketing, dynamic vehicle marketing, where they host events at tracks and parking lots with cones and they invite people out. Oh. And uh, you can work as an instructor at those events. So working okay. at racing schools, going to driving events at tracks, races at events, handing out business cards, doing that. Um, and then uh, got pretty heavy into that. Then I got hired to be like the index driver at Mazda Rev It Up, which is a program that uh, in the early 2000s, uh, went around the country and uh, was a really, really cool event. And then after two years of Rev It Up, turned into Chevy Rev It Up. And, uh, and then I started kind of getting a lot of coaching work and um, getting a couple races under my belt. 
uh, and more opportunities and then just kept building on that. Uh, I mean, I plan spent plenty of nights sleeping in my car at the racetrack because I had no money. <laughs> yeah. I just had a stack of business cards and, and, a, and a lot of heart and a lot of desire to find a way to be a race car driver. Uh, and I knew that I needed to establish a financial base so I could survive of coaching. Yeah. And then I really enjoyed coaching, right? I really enjoyed helping folks learn how to go faster and help set up their cars because I had all that background yeah. from uh, everything I did in my life prior. And, um, and then it, I had like this metrics and I still have it in my computer, these spreadsheets of like goals to accomplish each year, like uh, do 50 coaching days, do 75 coaching days, do 100 coaching days, amass a client list of 25 drivers that you're working with and 50 drivers. And I'm not talking like you're working with them every year, but drivers that you've worked with and yeah. some of them you have year over year rapport. And then I started studying good coaching habits. So like reading about how the military trains and coaches and how the NFL trains and coaches and how basketball teams train and coach. There's some great books out there on that. And then self-development, you know, reading books of like um, how to be the best person you basically can be compared to yourself, how to yeah. self-improvement books and uh, learn how to be a good coach and like psychology and sports psychology, just reading so that I could become more knowledgeable and event eventually be a better coach than I was yesterday. Yeah. So I was building on personal development, building on business development, like getting more coaching clients and trying to find opportunities to drive race cars and working in known quantities like racing schools and ride and drive events to make sure I have enough income coming in so that I can survive. Yeah. And uh, literally just kept building on that and building on that. But once I had like do this many coaching days, have this many coaching clients and, and continue to build those numbers up, to a point that was respectable, then I started doing uh, percentages of work. And my percentages of work were, how many drivers am I working with that are doing DEs? And how many days of drivers am I working with that are racing? And so it was like super heavy DEs, maybe one or two racing people. And then it was like 50-50 DEs, racing people. And then it was like 80-20 racing people, DEs. And I just knew that as it progressed into, or I felt that as it progressed into higher percentages of racing coaching mm -hmm. positions, then the me racing would start to gain in percentage. And it did, right? The, the more racers that I began helping go faster and have pole accomplishments and race win accomplishments and championships and, you know, working on their car with the teams to get it to be better balanced and easier to drive and go faster and, and how they appreciated that, it just turned, evolved into co-driving with them in certain races and then pro races. And, and then now I, I had my percentage started to work into, okay, so how many DE people, which unfortunately, I don't have a lot of calendar left, so I don't do a lot of DEs, although I will if they give me a shout. Um, and then I work with a lot of racers, but now it's like 50-50 racing and coaching, yeah. which is such a special place to get to and not to, um, not to steer anybody wrong that I had a lot of opportunity as a kid and also not to play woes me, but uh, when my dad had his race team, if I had, if my parents had stayed married and the race team continued to go and the Porsche Independent Service continues to go, I mean, it would have probably ended up like NOLA Sport, right? You know, when my parents got divorced, it was all over, right? And so uh, going to Bondurant and working, I got like my base and we drove all the time at Bondurant back then. And so that really helped me going, but I spent years of my life, like just paycheck to paycheck, scraping by. Twice in my life, I have over $50,000 in credit card debt 
that I paid off and then hit another tough patch and built it back up and paid it off again. And you know, and, and now I'm at the point where I have great friends in racing. I race a lot. We've accomplished a lot in racing. We're continuing to go. I have my health, I have my wife, I have my children. Uh, we have our house. Uh, we have a couple of investments. So like we, uh, we are, we are uh, doing well is all I would say. Uh, we're not great, but we're doing well. But to be in that space yeah. after all of the work, yeah. right? Um, you know, it, it is a long road to get to where I'm at when you don't have the ability to um, land sponsorship, yeah. whether it's through family sponsorship or, or actual sponsorship. Yeah. You know, when you have to, you have to get into an, unfortunately, a very expensive sport. Like the biggest barrier to entry to this sport is the cost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so to to work your way into that is very satisfying, very fulfilling, and very rewarding. And, and I feel very fortunate because I know a hundred guys that I admire how fast they are in a go-kart or a race car that have tried to do the same thing and you know who you meet that day who you don't meet that day yeah. um, you know sometimes things decisions in their life take time from them or or they trip themselves with a, a bad habit or yeah. you know there's you know life, life is life's throwing stuff at you all the time right and sometimes yeah. you can navigate it well and come out the back door and sometimes it it kind of tackles you and Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Pushes you back of the goals you're chasing and and um, so basically to block and tackle and work and grind to where I'm at it's so rewarding and uh, but man you have to have such a deep passion such a deep desire to go through that to get to where I'm at if, if you can't have the resources to just walk in and pick your team and pick your series and buy your car and, and do all that and that's wonderful that some people can do that but uh, I'm mainly speaking to the folks out there that might the, listen to which this is that most folks. could resonate with yes. me that um that uh it was a long <clears throat> difficult grind in every aspect but i just tried to learn from every day that i was engaging the sport because i knew eventually time in work in opportunity will come you know yeah. and it's it's very fulfilling that uh, that i made it right so fulfilling. Have you had any other situations, whether it be helping uh, coach somebody to an incredible victory or a championship, or yourself that kind of stands out as something you're never going to forget? Man, super blessed with so many of those. Um, uh, I've had some amazing people in my life, uh, and I, I question whether I should call them out because there's so many that I also need to yeah. call out. So I. I'll say that everybody who I've engaged with, especially in a coaching manner or a racing manner, so dear, near and dear to my heart because I knew that it took every one of them. You know, whether it was literally, I've done a coaching day in a bone stock Toyota Camry with a lady who just, it was her heart's passion to go on track. 
and the track recommended, hey, you should have this Jason guy, Hart guy help you out because he's worked in racing schools for a long time. So he, he knows how to adapt and work with folks that have zero experience all the way up. And uh, I'll never forget that day, right? And it, I need days like that mm -hmm. to get to where I'm at. I also need days like uh, my first full season um, hire for racing coaching, Steve Hill, 2009 Ferrari Challenge, right? That is a freaking pillar that anybody that's chasing what we're talking about yep. will know, I hope they'll know how special, my hair is standing up on my arms, how special it is, what it feels like to like get that first driver that believes in you and likes you and you work well with that's like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go race full season in this deal. I'm making a big investment on time and resources. I want you to coach me. Like that day is like, I, you, you equate that to like your first child being born. Right? <laughs> and you know, it's not just race car driver. I'm sure in other types of business, there's that first commercial real estate sale yeah. that goes through, you know, that, that you worked your heart and soul for months and months, maybe years on, yep. that finally got it closed, you know, that first big closing, right? Uh, it's, it is so freaking special. And then the first person that asked you to go full season racing, right? And, and so the first person that was the full season opportunity, Ron Farmer, ST, 2011. And, uh, Actually, his son was supposed to race with him, and I worked with his son and him, and, uh, but I worked with Ron quite a bit. Uh, Ron came to me uh, with a big desire to get better in a Corvette, and um, we took him from a competitor to a champion in two years. And that was, very, that was very special, but then when his son's business was growing and his son just said, I can't commit this much of my time to racing because my business is thriving and growing and I've got to keep up with my business, so Ron said, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to have you there coaching me anyway. Uh, why don't you just drive with me? Yeah. Like that day, I mean, a cloud isn't high enough for what that felt like. And, and that, that started off my pro racing activities. Um, and then, um, you know, your, the bigger GT car opportunities like Mike Vest. Worked with Mike Vest for quite a while. Wonderful person. He's actually going to be here this weekend one of the highest quality individuals I've ever met in my life. And I've been so blessed in my career. All the guys that I name, I am so lucky that they chose me, that I crossed their path because I have been so blessed to be with wonderful people on and off the track. Um, but, uh, but, you know, went with Ron Farmer, then we went to, with Mike Vest, decided like, hey, I want to do the Daytona 24 hour. So he asked me to race with him in the Daytona 24 hour. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then we did it again the next year. That was 13 and 14. Unbelievable. Like cloud nine again. Um, and then your first pro win, right? Like Matt Travis. I worked with Matt Travis for a long time. Uh, we're good friends. I'm racing with him this weekend. Um, a lot of accomplishments with Matt. Uh, just a lot of them for both of us. But. You know, we went to Utah to our first Sprint X race and we won both races, right? So first pro wins, right? Um, uh, got asked to race the Baja 1000, won it, 
uh, in, in uh, what would be called class four slash 10, four cars and 10 cars combined. It's like, I would guess it's like two steps down from class one or something like yeah. that, a buggy. Yeah. Uh, that was a, just a wild experience. Uh, Tony McLeany, Sugar, Sugar Film Productions, brought me in for that. Um, and then like Scott Noble, who I'm racing with now, we're racing Carrera Cup. Um, he was instrumental in helping me uh, race Le Mans last year. Uh, I have worked forever to try to race at Le Mans. And you kind of know when you're chasing Le Mans. Likelihood of that happening is, is uh, makes the lottery look easy to win <laughs> for a guy like me, right? A guy that, yeah, a guy like me. And um, so to go race Le Mans, unbelievable. Uh, race Dubai 24 hour this year with some amazing people. Uh, Seth Lucas, Adam Adelson, Elliot Skier, Herbert Motorsport, uh, and, and on and on and on. And every, all the club racers that I coached and the club racing full seasons that I did and, and the teams that brought me on, you know, we got you know, Nola Sport, Herbert, MDK Motorsports, Norwood Auto Italia, Innovative Auto Sports, um, G-Speed, uh, on and on and on. Like, these, it has been, um, it's been so hard. And then, I'm not gonna say it's easy now, but to have these opportunities now, the, the feeling is quite special, and it's worth all the time in. But, um, but it is a long road. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's a long road when you think about some of the difficult spots. Well, how, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, almost everything I do is Jason Hart Racing, at Jason Hart Racing, jasonhartracing.com, um, YouTubes and Instagrams and uh, Facebook, website, LinkedIn, all the normal stuff, Twitter. Yep. Yep. Um, and I try to stay reasonably active on uh, Instagram. Um, and then um, that's the main one, a little bit on Facebook. Yeah. But right now it seems Instagram's the the main one, and um, like if somebody messages me messages me on Instagram, I'm gonna get back to them. Yep. Um, but yeah. So. So what's cool your deal. one piece of advice for people who want to test the waters? Yeah, yeah. And they don't know if motorsports for them. What a, should a driver getting into the sport? Um, let's just say it's somebody, an adult, not a child, yeah. Yeah. who just they've always thought about racing and they want to give it a shot, how do you think they should like test the waters? There's a couple ways that I, a couple ways that I would say it, and it depends on the personality of the person for what resonates with them, but a racing school, excellent. It's curriculum, it's consistent, it's controlled, it can handle anybody, any age, like, you know, the Porsche Sport Driving School, um, They've got uh, Radford now, which is out in Arizona. Uh, those are the two that I send most everybody that I interact with that wants to do a, a school. Mm -hmm. Pick one of those two. Go to Barber, go to Phoenix. As your first intro to the sport, excellent way to go. Some folks, that's too expensive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you're on a little bit more of a budget, um, call your local tracks. And not so much like Texas Motor Speedway if you're in Dallas, but uh, search like member racetrack Texas. Yeah. 
and you'll find, like in Dallas, you're going to find Motorsport Ranch, you're going to find Eagles Canyon, and soon you'll find uh, the LG Motorsports Park that's, that's almost done. But Eagles Canyon, Motorsport Ranch. Go to their website, look around, read around, contact them. Explain, I've never been on track before. I really want to try this. I need guidance. Mm -hmm. The people in motorsports, like many other sports, uh, if you reach out to them uh, with a little bit of humility and a lot of enthusiasm, they are going to bend over backwards to help you. And, uh, and that's what I would recommend. Um, because they're going to know all the coaches. They're going to know all the, what, the, what I call DEs or driving events, yep. which are ways like a DE is an is a event that'll have like beginner, intermediate, advanced, instructor run groups, like 30 minutes per run group, and they just roll through the day, Saturday, Sunday. Most of those events are a couple of hundred dollars for the entry for the weekend. Almost all of those events now in the beginner class will take an, an experienced driver in DEs and he'll be your quote unquote instructor. Yeah. And he or she will ride with you. And you can use your street car. If you don't have a street car, those events many times know teams and entities that you can rent cars from yep. in order to get on track with. Yep. That's where I would go. Cool. That's my starting point. I think you may be in demand here, so. Yeah, we got practice starting in 20. All right, thank you so thank much you. for your time. Anytime, anytime. Um, I want to thank you for listening to Driven to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. If you like the content, please share and like, but I have one ask for everyone listening. I would appreciate more than anything to add you to my weekly newsletter. Simply visit my website, driventocompete.com, and you'll see a form to get on my newsletter where I share exclusive content and giveaway swag.